Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Paul Nichols, the investor coach, pulling back the curtain on the financial services industry and exposing the truth about money and investing. I hope this finds you well. I want to do the market update as we normally do. Uh, this would be as of October 3rd. As a quick uh, reminder why we do the market update, we believe in an academic approach to investing. There's basically three rules to investing, own equities, diversify, and rebalance. Uh, we need to understand that there are risk premiums for investing in certain parts of the, of the market. Not all risk is equal. Uh, and we need to understand that, in essence, uh, that returns come from the market and not from managers. And, and if you believe returns come from the market uh, and not from managers, uh, then you can apply those three rules, own equities, diversify, and rebalance, and you'll be successful at investing because that's what the science very clearly shows us empirically uh, for the last 50, 60 years. There's no question about that. Nobel laureates uh, in economics and finance have pretty much vetted out what works. Then why do so many people uh, look at the market uh, as such a... Uh, uh, a risky, or I, I like to think of it as gambling. Most people uh, think they're investing, but it's just speculating and gambling because, unfortunately, they fall into the trap that so many of us do because they make sense uh, and apply the, the three rules uh, uh, in a wrong m- manner. Uh, let, let, let me let me share this. So, so if you believe that uh, uh, returns come from, from the market as a whole, then then, then you want to own equities, diversify, rebalance. You want to own around the world. You want to basically own everything. You want to own umbrellas and suntan lotion. You want to understand the concept of dissimilar price movement through diversification, rebalancing, and owning equities. Equities would be stocks and bonds. If you don't believe returns come from the market, you believe they come from managers, then you would want to pursue the primary strategies that that managers uh, go after, and that would be stock picking, timing the market, track record investing. So what ends up happening is you'll you'll have people, and most of what you hear uh, in the financial arena are people that are giving you their opinion of what they think is going to happen based on certain metrics that they've, they've gathered. So they, they really are constantly speculating. They're, they're trying to pick stock. They're trying to time the market. Uh, they're trying to track record invest, find areas, predominantly sectors that are going to do well. In fact, mo- most academic investing is done uh, by looking at asset classes that are types of, of companies, sizes of companies like U.S. small, U.S. large. Um, but uh, active investing goes after sectors. Okay, uh, pharmaceutical is going to be up or, or, uh, or finance is going to be up or manufacturing is going to be up. And I've always found that to be kind of interesting because uh, it, when you only have, according to the studies that are out there, there's many of them, University of Chicago, Morningstar, Dow Bar Research, there's all kinds of different studies that look at actual investor returns and investor behavior as it relates to those in terms, returns. And what we find is the news of the social, political, economic climate out there really throw people into a tailspin. And I think that's a great segue for today right into tariffs. Uh, I've been talking about tariffs for the last month or so. And really, uh, when you look at the market update, it speaks very clearly uh, as it relates to what's up and down to the perception uh, that most people have of where we are as a global investing um, individual or person. And that is that they're following the social, political, economic news and they're figuring, okay, all these tariffs and all this stuff related to internationally is driving the international market down. Let's get it out of international and head toward U.S. And that would be an example of of market timing. Now, we never know uh, until you're right when it comes to timing the market. Should I buy gold? Should I buy oil? Should I sell oil? Should Should I sell gold? These types of things. You never know until hindsight, uh, and it's only with hindsight can you look back with 2020 and, and have clarity. But what we have to realize when it comes to investing, especially in a long-term scenario, and we're applying these rules of owning equities, diversifying, and rebalancing, the social, political, economic climate really doesn't have much much play in the picture at all. It's working at a long-term strategy. There's going to be short-term volatility. I mean, the academics refer to that as noise in the market. There'll be little little speed bumps along the, the investing highway, so to speak. But think about it. There's 
was no new social, political, economic uh, news that really had any impact from last year on investing today. Uh, but yet it seems like everything's detrimental. So when we look at the market update, it speaks very clearly uh, to the perception of, of most of the investing public, whether that be internationally or domestically. Um, and here's why. Let's analyze it. So we're looking at a market update as of October 3rd. This would be the end of business October 3rd. Let's look at the U.S. marketplace first. S&P 500, that's U.S. large companies predominantly, 9.3% year to date. For 2018, it's up 9%, doing very well, very happy about that. A lot of people own S&P 500. In fact, that's what we predominantly see in most people's portfolios. It's a very heavy weighting to U.S. large companies. And in a year like this year, or a year like 2014, it looks great. It looked like a genius. But when you look at other years, like last year, emerging market was the leading asset class, or uh, different years, it only looks good when that particular asset class does well. I think of it as kind of like betting on a horse race, you know. Uh, Most of the people in the marketplace out there are going to bet on the horse they believe is going to win, place, or show. And of course, they're only right about 15% of the time. Uh, Where when you look at academics, when they look at investing related to a horse race, they're not going to own, they're not going to pick the one that win, place, or shows. They're going to buy all the ponies because they know they're always going to have the one that win, places, or shows. And you might say, well, they're also going to have the the glue factory nag horse as well. Well, that's true, but a rising tide raises all ships. Uh, The markets always hit new highs. In fact, it just hit a brand new high today in the Dow, which would be only 30 U.S. large companies, by the way. Back to the market update. Russell 1000, these would be large U.S. companies that are value companies, not growth companies. Up about 4.5%. Small. Small's doing very good, although it's dropped a little bit in the last few market updates. Uh, uh, We were heading toward double digit. We've slipped back a little bit, just shy of 9% for U.S. small companies year to date. Then we go into Russell 2000. That measures uh, the Russell 2000 value. I'm sorry. Sorry. Russell 2000 index measures small. Russell 2000 value index measures small value companies. Not growth, but value companies. Kind of like a, a growth company would be like a Walmart. Um, a value company would be like a Sears. Walmart, uh, uh, you know, strong company, major retailer, huge amount of market share. Uh, when they go to borrow money, they get better deals. When they go to sell their stock, they get better prices. A Sears, uh, they may not get as good of deals when they go to get financing. Uh, their stock is going to cost a little more as it relates uh, to where they are uh, in market share. Uh, and whereby, as a result of that, when I ask most people, which should you expect a higher return in Walmart? Walmart or in Sears, most people say Walmart. Well, that that would be uh, the opposite of what would happen. I would expect a higher rate of return in Sears because there's more risk involved with taking on Sears in the portfolio because it's not doing as well as Walmart. Many rules of thumb I have found in finance are very misleading. Uh, uh, on the surface, they seem good, but when you dig a couple layers, uh, it doesn't hold much water. So we have U.S. large 9.5, U.S. small 8, almost 9%, and then the values uh, 5.5, 4.5 respectively. So the U.S. is doing very well. It's a good year. Seems to be on pace for double digit uh, in U.S. growth. Across the board, we're probably averaging, what, about uh, 7 or 8% in the U.S. for 2018. However, when we go into the international, it's a whole different ballgame. And this is one of those very unique years in that it's night and day, ladies and gentlemen. All the U.S. is up. All of international is down. Why is that? Well, we just speak to the tariffs. I mean, I've got some data here that I found to be interesting uh, when we look at all the international tariffs. You know, if a lot of these countries are not getting as much cash as they were uh, from the U.S. before, then what you're going to see is a situation where if they want to do business with us, they're going to have to do business differently. Uh, When I do the next uh, podcast, I'm going to talk about market share and lay some market share numbers on you around the world. I think many of you will be shocked at what the market share in some of these countries uh, that we look at thinking they're much bigger than they really are. Uh, I I mean, I think my last look at 
that Japan's maybe 4 or 5% of the total market share in the world compared to the U.S. being well over 50% into the low 50s. I mean, uh, all the countries combined in the world do not make up the United States. We are the economic power by far. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, what we're seeing in the last year or so in the current administration is, is pushing uh, to get these different types of trade deals done. Now, whether they're good, bad, that's yet to be seen. I will say this, that it's causing some turmoil. It's causing some disruption, social, political, economically. People believe, and they're trying to time the market and do certain things. So when we go to look at the international, uh, in comparison in the market update as of October 3rd, 2018, what we have is we have the World Index, Morgan Stanley Capital International World Index. This would exclude the U.S., looks at basically developed uh, countries, and it's it's down 4%. When we look at the Europe, uh, Australia, Far East area of the international marketplace, that would be excluding U.S. and Canada. Um, that would be about 4 4.5% to the negative. When we look at Morgan Stanley, um, uh, Europe, Australia, Far East value, it's down a little more than 7%. When we go on to small Europe, uh, in, into the Europe, Australia, uh, Far East index. When we get into that one, we see about four and a half. And the biggest one is the Emerging Markets Index, which is down about 10%. So what we see here is we see we're heading toward double digit in one or two of the asset classes to the positive in the U.S. Uh, and about the inverse in the international. So as a whole, we see different areas averaging maybe seven or eight percent in the U.S. Um, up, and we're seeing about six percent down in the international across the board. So what does that mean? Well, that means in a well-diversified portfolio, although you're hearing a lot of news about hitting new highs, and that is true, that would be that would be the case for your U.S. holdings. If you have a well-diversified portfolio and you're in all 45 countries around the world, including the U.S., well, then you're going to have money in all these other countries, and that's going to be dragged down a little bit by the current market environment. So what we do and what we see then is the application of the three rules, own equities, diversify, rebalance. Well, you own equities all around the world, hopefully. This is certainly what the academics and just about every textbook you pick up in any finance school in America would tell you, you want to diversify, understand the concept of umbrellas and suntan lotion. And that means not stock picking and deciding what countries you're going to be in and out of, but basically to be in all those countries and always be in them. So when you apply that rebalancing, the last factor, which is what I wanted to get to, this is one of those years where you're going to have a balance that's going to be slightly up because the market's up as a whole. But what you should notice is maybe not the balance being up that much because the international uh, shares that are down are being purchased with the gains from the U.S. So what you end up with is is a portfolio that has a couple percent return for the year so far, but you have a lot more shares. You should have a lot more shares. The challenge with this academic approach to investing, and this is why we always got to be reminded of own equities, diversify, rebalance, is sometimes when you're rebalancing, ladies and gentlemen, you may not see the evidence of the positive uh, evidence of that for six months, a year, three years. Great example. We look at 2017, emerging markets was almost 40, was 40%. It was the winner, winner, chicken dinner asset class in 2017. It was double digit in 2016, but 15, 14, and 13, it was negative. And in 14, 15, it was double digit negative. So here's a great example. We went from the international five years ago uh, being negative, four years ago being negative, three years ago being negative, to the last two years, 16 and 17, being unbelievable. In fact, um, uh, the best asset class in 17, to now it's, it's lagging in the U.S. is up. You never know till the hindsight of 2020. So what does a prudent individual do? Well, a prudent individual realizes they need to save some money. They need to manage their budget and so on. All of you that are listening to this are past that because you're already trying to learn. But 
But what a, what a prudent individual does is they realize their primary breadwinning uh, vocation is what they do for a living. That's what they need to focus their time on, getting better at what they do, making more money at what they do. But from a prudent perspective, then whatever savings you're going to have, you need to own equities, diversify, and rebalance around the world. And there's no reason to change your portfolio. There's no social, political, economic climate once you get it in place that's going to change the portfolio. The only changes to the portfolio might be uh, a situation where you say, I believe I want to take have less exposure in the market or more exposure. The investments is going to be the same. It's just a percentage of those investments. If this is confusing to you at all, and this is real basic stuff when it comes to investing, I don't want you to be intimidated if you don't think it's basic, but I don't want you to be intimidated because you don't need to know everything. You just need to know the few right things. And the challenge with the industry is it's fighting against most investors. It's not on their side because of the the business models out there. And I'll be glad when one of these days, this entire industry becomes fiduciary and fee only so that people are on the same side of the table as the advisor and not commissioned like 95% of it is now, unfortunately. And as a result, what happens is people get a lot of skewed material, a lot of skewed information that may not be in their best interest, but may be in the best interest of the industry or the players in it. I say that uh, with caution, but I also say that with vigor because I've been around too long and I recognize it. Folks, own equities, diversify, rebalance. The social, political, economic climate has no bearing on long-term investing. What does have bearing is your ability to earn, save a few bucks, and put it away. And realize that in a well-diversified portfolio, you should see your money double about every 8, 10, 12 years, depending. Oh, And you got to realize that it takes time. I often say to my wife, and of course she's become a wonderful, wonderful steward and what a wonderful partner after 30 years. But I remember when we first got married, uh, she's a gifting person. Her love language is gifting. She likes buying people gifts and stuff. And, and she would buy our kids trinkets and stuff all the time. And I'd just say, hey, listen, I understand that, but we got a closet full of trinkets now. How about, how about every time we go to spend a buck, we just ask ourselves, before we spend that, is this dollar is going to represent $3 we don't have in retirement? And then just ask yourself that question. And if you still want to spend it, rock on and don't worry about it. You know, you got to find a balance. You know, we got to enjoy the journey. It's not just about, uh, I think most, most, when I look at most couples, there's one extreme and the other. I think in most cases, it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, it's somewhere in the middle uh, when you look at look at most couples now. Or an ind- individual, I guess you don't have to worry about that. When I'm single, you just rock your way. That's how it is. So uh, anyway, my name is Paul Nichols. I'm the investor coach and president of Financial Abundance, a registered investment advisory firm in Happy Valley. That's beautiful State College, Pennsylvania. And what a gorgeous time of year that it is this year. Uh, foot, we don't quite have football weather yet. And here we're going into the fourth week. So fifth week of uh, NFL, I think the fourth week of uh, college. With all that being said, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you like what you uh, hear, go ahead and uh, rate us. We'd appreciate that. If you'd like to ask some questions or get some input or some information, you can go to faicoach.com, faicoach.com, uh, and go ahead and, and inquire. There's some inquiries in there if you want to make those and opportunities to ask questions and get material. So listen, you don't need to know everything if you have a coach teaching you the few right things. And we believe education leads to clarity and only with clarity can one have confidence. And only with confidence can one ever get to a point where they might find some peace of mind in the area of finance especially. With all that being said, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day and we look forward to chatting with you soon. Take care.